1: Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga, Birth, Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth and baby related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. For my yoga teacher friends who are interested in working with the pregnant population Prenatal Yoga Center offers an 85-hour Yoga Alliance certified program based on our three-pronged theory of prenatal yoga, asana, education, and community. Once a year, we hold our three-month immersion program in New York City. For those who cannot attend this training, Caprice and I are now traveling to different locations holding our training at hosting studios where we will spend six days working together, exploring and learning about prenatal yoga. This training consists of more than 50 hours working together We also created a whole membership website with more than 20 videos corresponding directly to the manual you will receive. For more information, check out our website at prenatalyogacenter.com. Hope to work with you soon. Take care. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies, and today we're going to talk acupuncture and Chinese medicine with Frances Goodman. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Frances Goodwin, licensed acupuncturist, has had a family practice in acupuncture in New York City since 1991, with a focus on pediatrics. In addition to acupuncture, she is nationally certified in Chinese herbology. She's a licensed massage therapist and has studied the Alexander Technique since the early 1980s. Located in Union Square, her practice includes acupuncture, herbs, tuana, and movement therapy.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the skylight frame. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy.
1: Hi, Francis. I'm so happy to have you on here. Thank you so, so much for joining me. How are you today? I'm Good. I'm good. How are you? Good. So it's really exciting for me to chat with you. So, for those that are listening, full disclosure, this is not the first time I've talked with Frances. Um, She's actually, I got her name. um, It's been almost 15 years. I can't believe it. That one of my students told me about Frances. And I went to her well before this whole pregnancy, childbirth situation. Uh, But she's an amazing acupuncturist. So, when I thought about another topic, important to pregnant women. I thought of Francis. So, it's really exciting after almost 15 years to to have you having a discussion with me in this realm. So, thank you so much. Thank
2: you. Thank you for all the work you do. Oh, it's- thanks. But-
1: thank you. So, let's go ahead and just start a little bit about what brought you to acupuncture and Chinese medicine.
2: Well, for me, it's been it was a personal journey. I was always interested in herbal medicine. I grew up in a rural situation. And I studied Native American herbs. And I wanted to study Chinese herbs that at the time you had to do an apprenticeship. And the herbalist I wanted to study with required that I study acupuncture before I studied herbal medicine. Um, Herbal medicine is considered internal medicine and acupuncture is an external medicine. One works from the inside out and one works from the outside in, yin and yang.
1: So that makes sense. And for those who are unfamiliar with Eastern medicine, can you explain the philosophy of acupuncture and Chinese medicine? I mean, you just talked about the inside and outside, but how does it differ from Western medicine?
2: Well, in acupuncture and Eastern medicine, uh, everything's, everything always works in a relationship. Nothing is ever singled out. There's always a root and a branch and often the disease is the branch. Um, amenorrhea. Okay. So that's, Clinically, the absence of a menstrual cycle for three months or more. Western medicine might um, give the patient a large dose of progesterone to cause a bleed. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't do anything for ovulation, and it uh, doesn't do anything to help with conception. So the balance is not created. The symptom is a alleviated because you get a bleed, but there's no real ovulation or they might put them on birth control pills, which we know does inhibit conception, or they may give them a follicle-stimulating medication to force ovulation. And then they have to give them progesterone. It doesn't do it, whereas in, in Chinese medicine, you consider the whole person. You would look at the whole system. Um, are they blood, blood deficient, which is different than the blood that you see coming out if you cut your finger. Uh, why is this cycle not occurring? Um, it, if it's like blood deficiency is different from anemia or is there stasis or is there constraint qi is there chi deficiency or yin deficiency and then you prescribe accordingly so five women may come in with amenorrhea and they may get five different formula so that each person is considered as a whole and not just the disease of amenorrhea
1: I think that's really important. That's one reason why I think acupuncture is so amazing for so many things. It's not just a Band-Aid to cover the symptom. It really looks at the root of the problem. Well, what would you say to someone who's apprehensive about trying acupuncture? And I, I've mentioned this to so many students because that's one of my first go-to and often they say, but I'm afraid of needles. And then I remind them, I'm terrified of needles, but it's a different type of needle. It's not like you're getting blood taken. So how would you, how would you help that person?
2: Well, um, I try to explain that acupuncture needles uh, and hypodermic needles are two entirely different tools, and they require different skill levels and different skill approaching. Hypodermic needles have a hollow core, so they actually bore a hole to either put a medium into the body or to withdraw a medium out of the body so that there's this um, disruption in the integrity of the skin or flesh. Whereas acupuncture needles or the tools or instruments are not hollow core. They're very fine and very thin and therefore they glide in between the the fibers of the tissue and they don't tear the skin or the flesh. So the sensation of both of them are very different.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm terrified of needles. Whenever I get blood taken, they actually have to give me, I think it's called like a butterfly needle like they use on children (laughs) (laughs) because I'm such a wimp, but... I was surprised the acupuncture needles cause they're so thin and you know, I've always enjoyed my acupuncture treatments. Well, except the labor inducing ones. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in a little bit later, but it really is. It's a different type of needle. So I'm glad that you gave that description. So those that are apprehensive might, might get over that a little bit. All right. So let's first talk fertility. So how does acupuncture help with fertility?
2: So, as I said before, in terms of the philosophy it's to bring the body into balance. And there's this quote in, um, from the Tao Te Ching that says, we stand before the women and we stand behind the man. So what you want to do is bring that yin and yang into balance. And the, the philosophy is that you fill what is empty and drain what is too full. And where there is hollowness is where there is life. So that if the, the uterus is the palace, so where the uterus is empty in the middle, that is which houses those who are able to be born. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you start thinking about fertility in terms of balancing the body and creating healthy cycles, then, and it's important, I think, in today's world to look at Who is who's working on this? Like, is it uh, a natural conception between a man and woman? Is it an egg donor, a sperm donor? Is it an embryo adoption? Are you working with a surrogate? All of these things come into play so that what you do is you look at each individual and you look at what their specific needs are and how to create balance within them. You get the best the best you can bring forward to create a situation for fertility to, or conception to occur.
1: So when you have a new patient or client come in, I know you look at different pulses, you look at the tongue. So how would you determine what, can you talk a little bit about someone that's never been to an acupuncture practice, what they should expect Because it is different than like uh, if they've only been to a Western doctor and you're talking about like, I remember you said one time, you're like, your pulse is slippery or let me look at your tongue. Like that Mm -hmm. might be, uh, that might be unusual. So can you explain a little bit about what they might expect?
2: Sure. First of all, the intake form is very involved. And as you know, and you look at everything, you look at pulse and tongue, you look at the color of the menstrual blood, you look at. How many days you menstruate, you look at the length between the cycles, you look at um, is their belly cold, is their belly hot. Um, An example might be, say, someone comes in with PCOS, right? Right. And that's a fairly common thing. And what is that? Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Okay. And they often have very long cycles and have a really hard time getting pregnant Uh, because they develop cysts, they don't ovulate. So what you might do with them is create a formula and they would rotate their herbs and formula so that you create a, you reduce the cyst and then allow a healthy follicle to develop so that the egg can rupture. And in that pulse and tongue and uh, acupuncture and herbs and dietary changes would all be involved as you know, and then, and then you make recommendations outside of that particular school of thought. I don't know. Did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, just
1: because, you know, I think it's something new. And when you t- tell someone, like, the acupuncturist is going to listen to your pulses, not just at your wrist, but at your ankles and look at your tongue, that might just sound very strange. Um, I do remember you prescribed me herbs when I was getting pregnant with sage. They truly tasted like dirt, um, but <laughs> but they <laughs> but they obviously worked. Um, so how would you just, how would you determine the mix of herbs?
2: The herbs actually, uh, once again, depend on the individual diagnosis. And so we can talk about, uh, can we talk about your formula? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So as well as I remember, I gave you a basic formula based on a, a classical formula called liu Wei di huang And that sounds with Chinese. So to just say that to someone, doesn't really mean anything to them but for you I nourished your kidneys and your spleen okay why because I your gene was a your kidney tea was a little low and your blood and energy your transformation process from your spleen was a little weak and so I knew if we built you up mm-hmm. then then there would be no problem with you getting pregnant. Instead of like whereas Western medicine may have just given you a follicle stimulating herb or clomid or or something like that. And so in terms of dietary dietary things, this particular formula uh, nourishes the ability for the body to effectively transform and transport nutrients mm-hmm. and just the kidney chi, and the kidney chi is very related to
0: Like yeah, stunning.
1: absolutely, and I mean it worked. I was on it for one month and got pregnant, but it wasn't very pleasant tasting. I mean, it really Never tastes good. <laughs> no, I will warn those out there: if you get some Chinese herbs, don't expect it to taste like cilantro. Um, it was no. it was, but you know, it did its job. Um, so, how would acupuncture or would acupuncture complement traditional Western medicine for fertility treatments?
2: Uh, It would. Uh, One thing I will say, uh, in acupuncture, we treat the men and the women equally. In Western medicine, fertility is almost always based on women, Mm -hmm. that it's the women's problem if you don't get pregnant. And in Chinese medicine, the yang and the yin are equal, complementary to creating the embryo. The two come together equally. So it's not "quote unquote" the woman's fault if she doesn't get pregnant. That's that great. Do you, you have men uh, or partners
1: okay with coming in? You don't? They they're totally on board with that, or have you met
2: resistance? More, more and more, and especially since um, that in the Western world, men have learned like zinc deficiency causes low sperm count, and all of these things. So they're more and more. I just had a situation where a couple got pregnant and the husband, the husband took the herbs and she came for acupuncture support. (laughs) I would have (laughs) rather that. (laughs) But he did the herbs and his formula was a modification of your formula. (laughs) And his sperm count increased and they got pregnant. Now they have a delicious baby boy that I just met and he's wonderful. So life is good, right? Yeah.
1: Well, we're done with the kids, but if that had ever, had I known that back then, I would have sent Joey in and be like, you take the herbs. All right. So let's switch a little bit then to pregnancy. So what are some of the most common aches and pains of pregnancy that acupuncture can help alleviate?
2: Well, I find the most common ones in my practice are low back pain, sciatica, nausea, and leg cramps. Okay. And they all seem to work really well with acupuncture and I do encourage moms to get prenatal massage, which often helps with mm-hmm. all of this as well, as does, as does yoga, mm-hmm. that, 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 they, once they move and they stretch like all their ligaments are moving and stretching and growing and the blood supply is increasing. So the movement, I, I do treat them, but as you know, I refer them to you all the time mm-hmm. and to do yoga and some kind of moderate exercise really helps. But does it, it help really with good? acid
1: reflux? That's something that comes up pretty often.
2: Uh, acupuncture can really help with acid reflux. One thing that does help with that is adding brine or pickled foods. Oh, pickled foods. Oh, that, I hadn't thought of that
1: one before. I mean, we do apple cider vinegar. I have papaya enzymes. I have a whole bunch, but I hadn't heard of pickled foods. Oh, yay. I love learning new stuff.
2: Yeah, um, that's kind of that whole thing, like she's pregnant craving pickles, uh, pickles and ice cream, but really uh, brined and pickled foods like your sauerkraut, kimchi, all that stuff, pickled ginger, all help create digestive enzymes, and when they do that, the flora is benefited, and then you have less reflux.
1: Yay, something new to help my students with. All right, so now we're going to talk a little bit about breech because it is so common that I have a student, baby's breech, doesn't know what to do, care provider may not want to do external version. I send them to spinningbabies.com, but I also recommend acupuncture. So how does acupuncture help turn a breech baby?
2: In my practice, it's not required by law, but I personally require everyone get a verbal okay from their midwife or OB before any attempt to turn a breech baby. Um, because I want everybody to be on the same page. Because sometimes there's a reason the baby's breech. Mm-hmm. And I think of turning a breech baby as opening a channel called the daimai. It runs uh, around the center of the body at the waistline or just below the navel. And once that opens, the baby has room, if you will. It's called the pivot. The sanjiao is the pivot. And the baby can pivot. And then you can do the moxa on bladder 67, which is a pretty common knowledge point. And then I usually treat bilaterally. So can you tell people what the moxa is? Moxa is Artemisius vulgaris. It's mugwort, and the plant is dried, and then it's beaten over and over and over again. And what comes out of is this fine, spongy punk, and you create these tiny little rice-sized moxa, and you. I use a, a herbal barrier, uh, and I plant the moxa right on bladder sixty-seven. That's called direct moxa, but if. Women are going to do it at home. They would never do that. They would only do pro-moxa, And that's
1: something that they can do at home.
2: Well, they can. There are certain situations where I would not not try to turn a baby. Okay. Can you you tell us what those criteria would be? If there's any type of abnormality in the formation of the uterus, like a T uterus or a uterus that has a membrane, or it's uh, a Bob Cornue, then or if there's been any possible um, uterine rupture, if someone's had a malpositioned IUD, uh, if there's placenta privia, or there's a very tiny mom and a big baby, uh, because then, then you have other issues, a lack of ambiotic fluid. Uh twins I tend not to do, although I've done it a couple of times uh, at the express request of a certain OB. And then I'm working in conjunction with the OB, so I know that we're all kind of covered. Uh, I tend not to try to turn. I, the cervix has, cervix, cervix has been stitched. I tend not to try to turn. And I'm very cautious with footlings.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know most doctors that are going to do um, external version will not do it unless the baby's Frank breech.
2: Yeah, Frank is the best. Transverse, you know, they're kind of in the hammock and they're comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I'm very, very cautious with footlings. If they don't turn, I don't really do anything.
1: The baby's trying to tell you something, that this may be how it needs to be. So let's talk about a treatment that I did have with both my kids, interestingly enough, two days before both of them started on their way out. Um, and this is the one time, as I mentioned, that I love acupuncture. Usually I fall asleep on the table. It's the best part of my day when I get to come see you because you've kind of forced me to relax because I'm on the table, nice and warm. But the one exception would be the labor induction treatment. Yeah. <laughs> so how does acupuncture help with labor induction
2: Well, um, once again, you need an okay, a verbal okay, which is not required by law, but I require it from every single induction in my practice. Um, You want to make sure it's been a healthy pregnancy, and you want to make sure that there's no outstanding or difficult situation going on, like percent of previa, factor seven or eight, um, or the history of a rupture, or anything like that. The... I recommend women start at about 38 weeks to start prepping because that's kind of when the hormones start changing and the process begins. And then the same thing at 39 weeks. And then at 40 weeks, as you know, I try to get in three treatments in one week. And the stimulation is very strong. Yes. You should feel quite achy and sore and almost to the point of being pretty uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and you want it. The thing about a Western induction is they try to get the uterus to start contracting right away. And the difference here is you want it to start feeling it in the cervix. That it's way deep inside so that the door to the palace opens. And once the door to the palace opens, the treasure can exit, which is your child. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the way it works is that you have to really kind of coax open this door, this really door that's sealing the most precious. And it's a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah,
1: you know, I remember finally kind of relaxing into it, and then you came in and like twirled the needles or heated the needles or something yeah. <laughs> that kind of woke me back up. So it is, it's is—it's a challenging time that when I tell students, you know, if they're facing a medical induction Acupuncture is one of those things that I recommend as an option. Um, but with the caveat that it is a little uncomfortable. But at the same time, as, it, as uncomfortable as it is, it's less uncomfortable than a medical induction. So I try to remind them of that option.
2: Yeah. One study that was done, I don't know the source, indicated that women who had natural intervention, uh, only 24% of the epidurals for pain, whereas 69% of the women with medical inductions received epidurals because the pain was so intense.
1: I'm surprised it's only 69. I mean, from what I've seen, just uh, unscientific, but what I've seen as a doula, that Oh, I think I've done like 103 births, and not all of those was inductions, but the ones that were induced, medically induced, one or two did not take epidurals. I mean, it's a pretty intense experience adding Pitocin, even starting from scratch with Cervidil or Cytotac in that pit. So I'm pretty impressed that 69%. All right. So I want to switch a little bit to the idea that, so acupuncture, acupressure, I know they're slightly different, but I hear students concerned about getting a pedicure because they hear that labor can get induced from a specific spot on the ankle. Can you, and feet, can you address this misconception? Because it's really not that easy to start labor.
2: No. In a healthy pregnancy preterm, it's not that easy to start labor. Um, I tell people if you have a history of miscarriage or if you have prolonged anemia or platelet issue, then just get a mani. Don't get a pet, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And if in a healthy pregnancy, you would get your feet massaged anyway during a prenatal massage. Mm -hmm. So if they, if they're kind of gentle and they're working on it, there should be no issue whatsoever with that. If you do have a history, as I say, of, you know, uh, miscarriage, premature labor, uh, severe anemia—like any of those things—then just get your toes done. Don't get the massage. You can mm-hmm. soak in water, and then you can get your pedicure. But generally, in a healthy pregnancy, it is no problem.
1: Yeah, because it takes. I mean, if if it was that easy, there wouldn't be these big medical inductions. They would just say, you know, let me press some spots on your feet. So I'm glad to hear from the professional's mouth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. You can tell how that labor treatment that you had that induction. Yeah, pretty strong. Yeah. If- massage at the
1: nail parlor is not that strong. No, no. And if it is, maybe they're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. So have you ever given acupuncture treatment with a woman in labor or just prior to? I have in labor. I stopped doing
2: it um, a while back because of the hours. Yeah. Um, but I tend to prefer, and I, as the labor progresses, I tend to prefer acupuncture pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deborah Betts. Do you know Deborah Betts? No. it's, Uh, D-E-B-R-A-B-E-T-T-S and it's free online and um, she talks quite a bit with diagrams and everything on massages partners and husbands can do during labor. So if I do do acupuncture during labor, I don't retain the needles. I didn't. I don't do it anymore. I I didn't retain needles. I would do an in and out, obtain the chi and move it. Some practitioners actually tape little tacks in place Mm -hmm. and that doesn't interfere with movement or the labor. Sick of being upsold at gyms?
1: that's what i was thinking because how do you stay because i know whenever i've had treatments i stay still and i couldn't imagine with the needles my body staying still so that makes sense a little tax
2: right if the mom is blood or yen deficient it's not going to work acupuncture she just doesn't have enough chi and that labor labor is a little bit exhausting for both you and the baby (laughs) Yes, yes, that's true. If you're too deficient, you can. It's it's trying to stimulate an empty an empty vessel, and that's when on certain levels you don't want anyone to go into distress, especially especially the baby. So it
1: sounds like if someone does want to get this during, get acupuncture, acupressure during labor, they really should make sure they're working with a professional that can understand, do they have enough chi? Are they deficient? And we don't want to put anyone in distress. It shouldn't be something they kind of pick up on the internet and try to have a partner do, I'm guessing.
2: Right. No, I mean, uh, Deborah Betts doesn't recommend that you do that. I would recommend that you get a professionally trained doula, Mm -hmm. that you have someone who has knowledge of the points, who can support you like you who, I mean, not everyone starts off with a hundred births, but who can learn and, and be professionally with you and not just kind of like looking on page 63 at <laughs> that point, you know? Right. Right. I you know,
1: now, oops. I lost you there for a second. Can you hear uh, me? Yes. Okay, great. So let's now shift. We've talked fertility. We've talked pregnancy. We've talked birth. Let's talk postpartum. So can acupuncture help with milk production? Because I know that's a big concern of a lot of women.
2: Yes. There are actually specific points that are to stimulate milk production. And I've worked with women to do that. And usually we do do herbal medicine as well. And these herbs are safe for the baby and safe for the milk. Um, A lot of women do the black chicken uh, recipes post postpartum, and um, cook it with like um, it's like dates and figs, and it tastes a little bit better than the formula you have to okay? take. <laughs> and it nourishes chi and blood, and when that's nourished, it um, they say it takes ten ounce ten drops of chi to make ten drops of blood, and ten drops of blood to make one drop. Of milk. Wow. So if you nourish chi and blood in the mom, then you get better milk flow. And then if it's in terms of anxiety or fear, then you would use it.
1: Okay. So have you ever used acupressure to help babies if they're having a latch problem? Sometimes it could be due to misalignment of their neck or jaw stemming from the delivery method or like vacuum or forceps.
2: Yes. As you know, I see a lot of children in my practice. Yeah, a lot. I use, I don't often use acupuncture on a newborn. The youngest child I've ever done was five days old, and that was a whole different issue. It had nothing to do with latch. With latch problems or alignment, I use a lot of tweena, uh, cranial sacral work. I teach the mom massage. We work a lot with holding positions, And, and the dad. I teach dads and partners massages, too, so that There's this gentle realignment of the whole cranial jaw relationship so that the latch helps. And then you can do, if the mom is nursing, you can teach them some nipple massage to elongate the nipple. If it's a mom who cannot nurse for whatever reason, I recently had a case that the mother could not nurse from a previous medical issue in her life and had the bottle feed, and we worked all that out, so there was a huge amount of tweena cranial sacral, and general massage there. It works really well I highly, highly encourage it
1: now, I know that you mentioned um, the acupuncture could be for milk production, but it would be a different treatment if it's anxiety. So can you talk a little bit about that the acupuncture is not just for physical issues, but it can be for anxiety. It could be for depression. How does that work?
2: Yeah, sure. In East Asian medicine, there are certain emotions related to each of the yin organs. And it's like fear and worry, melancholy, and also joy and Uh, cognitive ability, so all these things are related. And the organs in Chinese medicine house these emotions. And when someone's too angry or too depressed or too constrained or too sad, then you work within the system to have them release or develop or modify that. And sometimes it's due to a deficiency and sometimes, excuse me, sometimes it's due to... um, anxiety and so when you can like there's a formula called Guay Pitang that's a beautiful formula and it has these herbs and one of them is Swan Sao Ren which calms the spirit and helps you the anxiety so that I always tell moms sleep when your baby sleeps you know somebody else will do the dishes it's okay and then when you're calm you have better milk flow you have better bonding And then teaching parents how to massage their babies, how not to be afraid to touch them, is really, really important.
1: Absolutely. Have you done any treatments for postpartum depression or anxiety?
2: I have. I have. Usually um, I have. It it becomes sometimes a a process. I've actually uh, just worked with a, a woman who works in a very high-pressured situation and became that standard thing of like, how do I leave my baby? I've got this career. I've got this high-pressured situation. And she became very, very depressed, almost non-functionally depressed. And we did, we worked together. She came for treatment twice a week for a while and then once a week, and, and she's doing better. And we did do some herbs with her as well.
1: Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. And you also mentioned that your specialty is pediatric. So what are some of the treatments you do
2: with kids? <laughs> kids are great. Um, I do all kinds of things like asthma. And uh, sometimes kids get what we call abdominal migraines because they are scared or they go to school and they get nervous and they get tummy aches. I treat regular colds and flus and ear infections. Um, Some uh, sports injuries, really simple sports injuries, to work with that. But a lot of it comes down to children developing stages. And like seven or eight years old is one stage, and then uh, 14, 15, 16 is one stage. And as they work through those stages then they can develop and they can move beyond the stuff they needed to work on before. So some of it's emotional, some of it's physical, and this the standard kid stuff, you know, ear infections, sore throats, asthma. Fat.
1: And they, I guess I'm just trying to think, I have a three and a five-year-old, and I just can't imagine, especially my five-year-old, sitting still with the needles in him. So how do you get them <laughs> to stay still?
2: Well, I use a lot of tweena with kids for the little kids that are under two. they just usually get in and out. they they don't even know what's going on. It's so fast. The five year olds, I do a lot of tweena and um, they get massages and they'll get sometimes they pick a spot and they get their treatment. but the needles are never ever retained any longer than the number of years. Oh interesting but, okay. For me, there yeah. are other practitioners who do it differently. But I find that their chi is so dynamic and they respond so quickly that sometimes they just do twina, and I don't do acupuncture. And there are times that I have to do acupuncture, especially if it's high fever or um, something like that. Then then we just kind of do it, and it's over with in a minute. Mm -hmm. I think it's.
1: I, I love that. I love that we don't limit these other you know the eastern medicine just to adults that we can introduce it to children it becomes part of their life so how would someone say we have a listener um, listening and they're interested in either acupuncture Chinese medicine for fertility how would they find a practitioner that they know is uh, educated to work with not just the general population but specifically fertility and pregnancy and children what kind of criteria should they look for
2: um, usually people specialize and have um, additional certification other than their standard acupuncture license. Like, do um, um, uh, you know Jill Blakeway, her practice? Jill mm-hmm. and their whole practice is all fertility. And so they've had quite a bit of training in fertility, and they, they work solely on that. They, I have a family practice. Mm-hmm. My extra certifications are in um, induction and pediatrics. So that tends to be where I specialize, although I do love having a family practice. The NCCAOM, or your state licensing boards, usually have a site where you can go in and find out who is licensed and who isn't licensed, where they were educated, if there's any complaints against them, there's a national, the National Commission for the Certification of Acupuncturists and Oriental Medicine has a site that you can go into and find out how long people have been in practice, what they do, if there have been any complaints against them. So there's governmental oversight that you can check sites to find out what's going on with practitioners.
1: I think it's important because we don't want to just assume because someone did a basic licensing that they can then serve, you know, specialized populations. So thank you so much for your time. I'm going to make sure that on our show notes, I have how people can find you and reach you. Uh, of course, as soon as someone asks in the studio about acupuncture, I sing your praises, uh, because you have helped me throughout many, many years. So thank you. And is there any last minute tidbit of information you want to give, any of the women out there
2: i would say um relax enjoy enjoy your partners and enjoy enjoy being pregnant <laughs> yeah and and just kind of enjoy life a little bit because if you're too tense it's kind of hard
1: it's perfect different. that's perfect well Thanks. thank you so much francis we'll chat later bye right, bye bye